As I mentioned, it's one of my favorite weekends services of the year. The reason is because of what it meant to me. So a few years ago, like when I was in eighth grade, <laughs> the church that I was a part of, our youth pastor took about eight kids on a mission trip. And uh, they came back, were very excited about it, and the really wonderful thing was, was that the next year, they did it again, and I'm a freshman, and I get to go. What I didn't realize was that it wasn't simply just about a mission trip, it was actually 15, 16 weeks of training, and so we began to train, learning how to share our faith, learning scripture. It's funny because, you know, now all these years later, I can still tell you what the first passage of Scripture we had to memorize was Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who walks in the count, does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I mean, that was like 15 years ago, see, so I still know that. <laughs> Where we went and did mission was just over the line in the Smoky Mountains from Tennessee over into the very western tip of North Carolina. And what I was going to do was I was teaching the, we call it middle school today, back then it was junior high, and I was going to teach them a lesson and we would go out in the morning and we, we were uh, at a church and then we'd come back in the afternoon to the camp where we stayed and we would spend time, we would you know, take a nap, go spend some time with the Lord, have a great, you know, have fun, whatever, and then we would go back out in the evening. Well, the evening church we went to, there were no junior hires, but there were a boatload of high school, college, post-college, and they wanted to have a Bible study. Wonderful place. It was called Sawmill Hill Free Will Baptist Church in the Smoky Mountains, and it was up on a mountain, and there was no, this little church building, and uh, there were no rooms, and, but outside, like some of the churches there, up on the hill, there was a graveyard, a cemetery, and that was where we got to go with those who were still alive and those that weren't so much, and we <laughs> did that, and I can remember in those those moments, right? Because I'm just like 14, 15 years old. And, and so in the afternoons back at the camp, there, were, there was a chapel up on the side of the hill and I would go there and just spend time with the Lord because I was desperate, right? I, I wasn't prepared for this. And, and, and I was actually, I can remember that first year I was reading in 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, all long suffering and doctrine. And I've never heard the audible voice of God. I'm envious of those who have. It would make life a lot easier, right? But I know what it is when God speaks to my spirit. It was his calling upon my life. And it happened there on a, on a mission trip. And so I got to go all four years and every year learn new stuff and challenge with new things. And went away to, to college. I went to Moody Bible Institute, you know, the West Point of Christianity. And... Uh, got to go back to my home church and ended up becoming the youth pastor and there I got to lead this this mission ministry called SMI student missionary internship and for seven years we took hundreds of kids and we would again the big thing for me as a youth pastor was I had 14 15 weeks to train to invest 
you know, hundreds of those kids that went through have gone on. In fact, we just, we just had some that came and had lunch with us. They were in town, and they're leading prayer ministry. He's on the leadership team at his church, right? They've gone on, they followed the Lord. I think there's 36 of them that actually went into vocational ministry. So when I became the pastor, and Greg was our first youth pastor, and you just have to understand who me, I'm, I'm, I'm not a micromanager, big believer that you've got to give people enough room to fail to give them room to, to, to succeed, right, and to, to flourish. And so I don't tell people what to do. I said, Greg, you can pretty much do what you want. There's just one thing you got to do, and it's this SMI thing. And we began it 26 years ago in 1996. So our first year, we had one student. And now for 26 years, and I'm on to my sixth youth pastor. And when Mandy was coming on, Mandy, you got a lot of freedom here. Just one thing you got to do, and it's SMI. And it was cool because he had already heard about it and was excited about it. And so now we're about 13, 14 weeks into these young people studying, preparing. So I'm going to invite Mandy to come up, tell you about what they're going to be doing, where they're going, and how you can be praying for them um, as they prepare to take on a very, very difficult task. So uh, Manny, we're, we're excited to have you. Tell us what, what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm sure you guys are used to me by now. I've been here doing some MC work and all that good stuff. But um, today we're talking about a specific awesome opportunity. And like Pastor Steve talked about, um, when I... When I came to Desert Springs, one of those things that attracted me to the culture and everything that was happening was Ashmael's reasons. Um, and I, I look at what, what the students have been going through, the mission that, that's been through all these years. And I think it's, it's, it's funny to see, you know, you, what, what was it two, three years ago when Pastor Steve led his first one? Um, Trying to get some brownie points. Uh, him preaching amongst the dead and the living, and now we're going and continuing to preach amongst those who are right dead. We need to bring them to life and allow them to know who Jesus is. So uh, it's a really, really awesome thing that I've been seeing the fruits that it's been kind of uh, showing in the students' lives. Uh, it, it's it's been it's been amazing. Um, you know, one of the things that that they have been wrestling with, and one of the things that I really want to highlight is the, not just the, the physical fatigue and the struggle and the battle that they're dealing with, but the spiritual battle too. Um, I think anytime anybody steps into the calling or any kind of work that God has asked them to do, there's always going to be an attack constantly. The enemy is trying to tear down and destroy anything that the God is trying to build and do, um, especially when it's work for his kingdom. So, the students started in, in um, February, their training, right? And we're about 13 weeks in, like Pastor Steve talked about. Um, and immediately, there was something that kind of posed this, hey, just letting you guys know, there's, there's, there's the tack, right? One of the things that we're going to be doing this year is we're going to be leading the students to Salt Lake City and, and uh, having them evangelize and witness to people that are part of the LDS church. Um, so going back to this attack, February they start, they have curriculum and school and midweek and Sunday and life and relationships and everything under the sun that they're, that they're with and having to get into this, 
this curriculum and understanding what's happening with their faith and, and where they stand in their faith, but then also dealing with this other group of people and understanding where they're coming from and what questions to ask and things like that. And then about a month in, right, they announced something. And, and I think what we need to do too is what I, want us, what I want to hit on is why Salt Lake? And then we'll get to the, what they announced because it, it's important. But why Salt Lake City? Well, Salt Lake City, when we're dealing with LDS, right, in general, these are just numbers you can pull, and, and it's not absolute, but there's, there's some different factors in there. But there's nearly 16.7 million Mormons throughout the world. This is what's reported. And Salt Lake, if we, as the students have been studying, and you can go and able to talk to you about, uh, you know, kind of what's going on with the LDS Church and its origins and foundations and things like that. But everything kind of got set up in Salt Lake in Utah. So it's this epicenter for the LDS. 49% of that 16.7 resides in Salt Lake County. Uh, nearly 64% of the population are in Utah that are Mormon. So this is just an opportunity for us to, when we're dealing with something this big, this grand, they can be there right in the middle of it, right in the mess, right in all the struggles that they're going to be dealing with with those conversations and definitely be needing some prayer. But Pastor Steve will get to that. Um, it's important because, like I said, we have this trip. These are things we're looking at. Start in February. Come April 3rd. At the General Conference, President Nelson announced he's going to plan to open 17 new temples throughout the world. I'm not talking about wards. I'm talking about temples throughout the world. Eight of those temples are going to be in the U.S., Will they happen? God knows. And he'll deal with it. But what we plan on doing is taking this, this leverage that the enemy is trying to use. And maybe it's a discouragement. Maybe it's an encouragement. They're like, this is that needs to be done. And I'm praying these students, as they've gone through these last couple weeks, these 13 weeks, they're able to be encouraged by that. And how have they prepared for that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, like I said, for the last 13 weeks and counting, because we're still continuing in our training, um, they've engaged with God by understanding their view of who God is, who Jesus is, and also the Bible, its reliability and everything that comes with that. Being able to solidify who they are, and, and you know, I mentioned it last service, you know, going back to Romans 1.16, that they're not ashamed of the gospel, they have confidence and that it has the power to save. So understanding that, their perspective, and growing in their own faith as well as being able to connect with others. Coming alongside each other, preparing for the mission, studying together. Now they're in teams, so they'll be going out and communicating with each other. And this is an opportunity where they're not doing it alone. They're part of a community, not just there, but also with this weekend, being able to see that support that they have with everyone that's going to be back home. Um, and then ultimately living on mission, actively engaging in service projects, weekly ministries, and any opportunity to share Jesus, going out on go nights and being able to witness to people. Now that's different because they're just expecting somebody to maybe or maybe not, maybe just have a conversation. We kind of know what we're getting into when we're going to be in Salt Lake, looking at those numbers and statistics of what they're going to be dealing with. And it is going to be a battle. It is going to be something that they're, they're prayerfully encouraged by because I don't believe that there's any bad conversation and that's, that's a failure. I think that there's conversations that don't go the way they, they hope to go, don't go the way they plan, don't go the way they expect, but ultimately they're tilling that soil, they're breaking up that hard ground so that God can do the work and the seed can be plant, uh, planted 
And as Pastor Robbie would say, because he's helping us out with this trip, they're putting that pebble in the shoe so that they can continue to think about what it is these students are trying to share with them. Not arguing, not trying to tell them that they're wrong, but trying to lead them in love so that they can know who Jesus truly is. So I'm excited about this. Um, I'm encouraged, and I just pray that you're encouraged as well uh, and actively praying for the whole group. So thank you. So like I say, today's going to be a little different than what we normally do. We've been in a study of the book of Hebrews. We will actually begin Hebrews chapter 11 next weekend. Uh, and so without faith, it's impossible to please God. And for those of you that are around Desert Springs, you know a lot of times in the summer, I like to do something out of the Old Testament uh, just because I think we're losing the Old Testament narratives and the stories are so rich and so important to us. And so, but if you know Hebrews 11, it's all like stories from the Old Testament. So what we're going to do, we're going to set it up next week, and then this summer we're going to take those stories, the stories of Abraham and Sarah and Rahab and uh, Gideon and all of those stories, and we're going to tell them they're stories of faith. And so I'm really excited about it. But today, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. I don't have a lot of time, but there are five principles of ministry that I've been wanting to share with our SMI students, but also I want to share with us, because to me, these things are really important. So Matthew chapter 10, actually in verse 1, what we read is Jesus summoned his 12 disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And then if you skip down to verse 5, through 10 is what I'd like to use as our text. These 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them. Do not go in the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals or a staff for the workers worthy of his support. Five quick things. The first one we see in the first part of verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out. One of the things I think sometimes in a Christian life that we forget is that our call to go make disciples, to raise up next generations, to go tell people about Jesus is actually commission from the Lord himself. We sometimes think, well, it's something our church wants us to do or something our pastor wants us to do. And, and the reality, no, Jesus is the one who told us. You, you, you get to the end of Matthew, right? And he looks at the disciples, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. That was our marching orders. It's a commission of Jesus. This is not something that we can take lightly or we can set to the side. This is what we have been called to do. You know, we've been in the book of Hebrews, and, and so often what he's looking ahead is to that, that day that is coming that we stand before Jesus and inheritance and reward, and we give an account. And I think the big question is, hey, did you do what I asked you to do? And for us, it was go make disciples. It is 
commission, not of Desert Springs, certainly not of Pastor Steve, but it is the commission of the Lord Jesus. The second thing he says is this, do not go in the way of the Gentiles, do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here's the second spiritual truth out of this that I think is really important, and that is stay focused on what God has called you to do. Now, if we had time, we could probably begin to unpack a little bit why he gave them these very specific instructions. Because did Jesus ever go to the Gentiles? Yes. Did he go to the Samaritans? Yes. But that was not what he was asking his disciples to do. And there were certain reasons for that. Specifically, what he was calling them to do was to go to the house of Israel, to go to the people of Israel, who, by the way, were looking for the Messiah, who were looking for the kingdom of God to come, and kind of pick that up at that next point, and to make that announcement. And one of the biggest things that as a church, I think as believers, that we have to struggle with, and that is to stay focused on what God calls us to do. It's so easy to see other things that often even are good, that can be beneficial, but they take us off of of mission. And what we're called to do is just simply let's do in this season what God has called us to do. You are specifically going to to share with, with those who... I've heard about Jesus, but it's a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. You're going to share a gospel message that's different than the good news that they have been heard, which puts it a point of works. But you're telling them about grace and grace alone that we sung about this morning. Stay focused. Right? Don't turn to the left or right. For many of us, a reminder of what God has called us to do, we need to stay focused on that in this season. God may at times, he might stretch, he might open other doors, but stay focused on what God has called you to do. The third thing is simply this, keep the message clear. Verse 7, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, you'll notice, of course, this is before the cross, this is before the resurrection, this is before the announcement of of salvation by grace through faith. And, of course, as you understand the book of Matthew, what, what Matthew is presenting Jesus as the promised Messiah that, by the way, they are going to reject. And they do reject. But this was the message. For us, that's not the message. For us, the message is simply Jesus. Him crucified, risen, coming again. That is our message. I love the story in Acts chapter 8 where Philip is taken you know, to go down to the middle of the wilderness. And here comes the Ethiopian eunuch. And he's in the chariot and he's reading a, a scroll from Isaiah 53. And as Philip goes up, he goes, do you understand what you're reading? And it goes, how can I understand unless I have a teacher? And it says, so Philip began at that same place, and he spoke to him, Jesus. That's our message. 
Our message is not one of criticism. It's not one of, of, of arguing. Our message is simply a message of Jesus. His grace. That it is by grace alone that there is one mediator between God and man. That is the person Christ Jesus. That Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by him. Keep the message clear. It isn't about a church. It isn't about rituals. It's about Jesus. The fourth thing, he says this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely you've given. Has Manny gotten to that part with you guys yet? Taught you how to do all that? No, not yet. All right. One of the things that so often becomes an inhibitor to people in following the Lord is he calls them to do something that is so far greater than them that they hesitate. I can't do it. I'm not capable. Can I tell you that I don't think that God calls us to anything that we actually are adequate at? I think God always calls us to something that's greater than us. The reason is because if I'm adequate, if I can do it, if I can pull it off, then I don't need him. And the thing that he wants more than anything else is that I need him to lean into him, to seek him. And so when we see those obstacles, when we see those mountains, when we see those callings and they're bigger than us, yeah, right? Because you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You know, one of the things that as a pastor, uh, you got to learn to struggle with is sometimes you, you get up here and you're doing what you're doing and you get done and you feel like really good about it. And then there are those other times Fortunately, not all the time, where you think, you know, I'm halfway through. I should just kind of close the Bible, let everybody know this ain't working today. Let's just pray and go home because it just doesn't feel good in my spirit. It just, just doesn't work. And one of the things that I learned long ago is that often when I've had one of those, that's the one that in the coming days and weeks that I will get more response, more people saying, you know, God just really spoke to my heart. <laughs> so it's kind of hard, you know, you got to pray, God, if you want me to stink up the place, if that's the best way for you to do this, it's okay, right? But that's, that's got to be the prayer because it can't be the wisdom of our words, the ability of our arguments. It is the power of God. That's what changes lives. The gospel is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believes. It's not me. It's not our power. It's him. The fourth thing that he says then is he says this. Don't, don't worry about stuff, right? You, you, ministry is always done by faith. So, so don't worry about taking an extra cloak. Uh, he says this. Don't acquire gold, silver, bag for the journey, or even two coats or sandals. Ministry's always got to be done in faith. 
it would be great knowing, hey, I'm going to have this conversation, then I'm going to have this conversation, I'm going to get to talk to this person over here. No, it just doesn't work that way. You just have to trust God. That's why prayer becomes such an important part of this, right? That God will be setting up the divine appointments, that God will be preparing our hearts to be able to, to share with those who, who uh, you know, he's going to be preparing that God, maybe even in the midst of it, we think we're going to be here, but God changes and puts us over here. But, but that's exactly where the Lord wants us to be. Ministry has to be done in faith. Five principles. Five important principles. Number one, following Jesus, making disciples, is a divine commission. Number two, you need to stay focused on what God calls you to do. Number three, you've got to keep the message clear. It's Jesus. Number four, it's got to be done in his power. And number five, it's got to be done in faith. Because we're going to see next week, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So here's what we're going to do. And this is one of the things that for me, who both went through SMI and then led it, and now as a, as a pastor's head in our church, this is the thing that we do that's a little different, it's a little unique, and yet I think this is one of the most important things we do through the whole year. I think it's one of the healthiest things we do as a church. Now, typically, and I'm not saying this is wrong because I'm an uncle, I get this, when Churches put on mission programs, they'll get their team together, and then they send the people home to shake down their uncles and their aunts and their grandparents to help pay for the trip. And I've been happy to do that for my nieces and nephews. But that's not what we do here. Because these are ours. We're making disciples. We're investing in them. Not only for a trip, but for a lifelong ministry. And so each one of these students is, this weekend has got to raise $500. You know, the cost of gas, the cost of food, the cost of van rentals have all gone through. It's, it's a little more expensive this year. But what we've been inviting the church to do and what we're inviting you now to do is to join in and to partner with these young people. Now, I know some of you, very generous, and you have the resources. You say, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll support one of these kids. I'll write the check for $500. That's great. That's kind. You just can't do that. The reason is, is because more than money, what these young people need is they need prayer. Because obviously, we want God to be working in their life. They're walking into a hostile environment. We, we need prayer. So what we do is we limit how much any one person can give to any one student to $50. Now, you don't have to give 50 If you want to give one, that's fine. But don't give unless you're going to pray for them. We need the prayer support. But if you want to give five, you want to give 10, whatever it is, that's fine, but 50 is the, the max to any one student. Now, you can give to as many of them as you would like. So what they're going to do is they're going to they're gonna get up. They're going to surround this room. They've all got a little picture like this. And if you say, hey, I want to support you, they will circle that, their picture, so you'll know who to pray for. And when you have either chosen the one you want to support or like Tammy and I we're going to support a number of them uh we're, we'll get all of these at the end you don't have to have the money today we don't need it until June 20th when they go on their trip 
Uh, all you need to do is tell them, hey, I'm going to support you, how much. They'll keep track of that. And then what you need to do is just scan this QR code on the back that takes you to a pledge page. And if we've got three that we're going to support at $20 each, and then you just put in 60 bucks, right? And, and then that, that way you don't even have to have their names. We'll have that from the, uh, the paper that they will have. But you, and then just between now and, and June 20th, you, you can give that. Uh, if you want to actually pay today, you can come up and see Angela here. It's a pretty simple process. But here's the thing. You've got to be willing to pray for them. So young people, I'm going to invite you to kind of line up around here. We've been through two services. We're right about at that halfway mark uh, of them being supported. But these are our young people. You'll notice that there will be, they will be two by two. One of them will have this. The other will have a clipboard. You can only support the ones that have this in this service because we're trying to get them all supported so it's like 50 50 and one and then the other and all that type of thing so i'm going to invite you to stand i'm going to pray you're dismissed you're free to go but i'm going to ask you not to go i'm going to ask you to go find one two three of these young people and support them so would you stand with me father we love you i am so thankful for the men and women way back in the 70s in the midst of a really difficult economic time 22 percent unemployment high inflation high interest rates who sacrificially gave so that i could go for father on that trip you and on those trips you changed my life and Father, I'm so thankful we've got 62, 63 young people here that have, man, it's been hard with school and all they have with that and all they have, many of them with work, to make the commitment that they have to not only memorize the scripture, but to read the books, to study, to prepare, to, to go out on Wednesday nights, to, to, to be here every Sunday afternoon and to give their Sunday afternoons to training. Now, Father, my prayer is, is that in this moment that we have as a church family and those of us who are older that can now look these young people in the eye and say, you know what, we believe in you. I want to support you. I'm going to pray for you. I believe in what you're doing. God, I believe this is one of the most important things that we do all year. I pray you would lay it upon our hearts to be able to give and to give generously, to pray and to pray earnestly. And God, that you would bring uh, just a wonderful result, not only in their trip, or we do pray that there would be good fruit, lots of pebbles and shoes, some, Lord, to come to faith in you. But Lord, what we're really praying for is that you will, that you will draw these young people to yourself in such a way that they follow you every day of their life. That's our prayer. So, Father, I pray that you would provide in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. We'll be back in Hebrews next week. Again, you're dismissed. You're free to go. But I'm going to invite you to go support these young people.